Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Transform Your Life with Kelly and Lisa. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Kelly. Like, I know she was just there. I was just talking to her. <laughs> oh, am I not you here? Know. Yes, you are. You are here. You are here. Okay. There was just a, a very strange thing happened. But anyway, um, oh, you know, we talk, we, we've talked all through the month of October. We're into November now. All through the month of October, we're talking about domestic violence, um, not only on this show, but on other shows that, that we've been on. And, you know, we thought we would start out November, which I always do sort of a gratitude thing in November. And this kind of works right along with that. If you've been in a domestic violence situation or an abusive relationship and you've gotten out of it, a lot of times you do feel grateful for a while that you've gotten out of it, but your self-esteem and your self-confidence and your self-love has taken quite the hit just from what you've been through. So that's what we're talking about today. How do you get that back? How do you go from being beaten down so that in many cases, and I know personally, I started feeling like I deserved that treatment. How do you get from that to being self-confident, knowing you can handle anything, living in your power, loving yourself, and moving forward with your life? So that's what we're talking about today. Um, what do you think, Lisa? Where where do we start? You know, where 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 really do we start with this topic? You know, I've been thinking about that for a long time, and for me, it's my new mission in life, uh, along with all of the other ones that I have, is to help people <laughs> rewrite their stories. And I was actually just thinking about this last night, and I'm, I'm getting ready to do a talk this month, and just talking about how to relay your story, um, particularly if you're a business person, how to relay your story so that you're, you're sharing, but you're not oversharing. And that led back right. to the concept of rewriting your story and kind of the journey that I've been on in the last year. Um, I took a pretty big hit uh, emotionally and this, around this last year um, because of the – an unveiling of things that, you know, you think you have one problem and you work on it and it reveals another underlying situation. And and each part is important, but the rewriting of your story, it doesn't change what happened. It just changes the perspective. We hear all the time, change your perspective, change your mind, change your mind, change your perspective, look for the positive. But that's really only scratching the surface of how to really rewire down even to a cellular level what has, has shaped you and has in, been ingrained in you on how you're supposed to be, you know, either looked at or how you're supposed to view yourself. And I mean, I can keep going, but I'm going to pause there for a second and let you <laughs> have a break <laughs> This I just was thinking about this last night, and I could do the entire show right now by myself just from the conversation. Very cool. Today. Go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, everyone starts from a different place. And one thing that I've told people repeatedly when I do workshops 
especially if I'm talking to a group of, of uh, people who have been in an abusive situation, is you are not what has happened to you. And everyone's experiences are different. So you have to start from where you're at. And it's, it's really easy for us as people to say, well, well, that person over there did this, so I should do that too. And I think a big part of rebuilding your self-esteem and your sense of self, period, because I know I didn't have a clue who I was by the time I finally got out of that situation. It's, it's reconnecting with yourself, and it's, it's taking a step back and say, you know what, that's not okay with me. It's setting boundaries. It's realizing that you're worthy of those boundaries and that what you went through does not have to define who you're going to be for the rest of your life. And for a very long time, I thought that's what the case was. I thought, you know, I was always going to be in those kinds of abusive relationships because I didn't have the sense of who I was to realize that I had my own power. And I think a lot of times people, and in particular, if you were abused as a child or um, women a lot of times have a harder time than men with this, but especially with kids, and I know we are working on a a compilation book, The Journey from Surviving to Thriving, that's all about how people, what they went through and how they got through it and how they're thriving now. And in reading some of these stories, it's everyone is different. You know, even two people who have had the same thing happen to them and the same type of abuse have come out very, very different people. So I want to make that point really clear if someone's listening that has been in an abusive situation or is now in that kind of a situation. Don't think that just because you hear someone talk and they're saying, this is what worked for me, that that's going to work for you because everyone is different. And uh, I think sometimes we get caught up in the, well, tell me, give me the directions, tell me how. And that doesn't necessarily work. Uh, You have to go inside yourself. You have to make friends with yourself. You have to make friends with the things that you've been through. Not saying, oh, I loved being, you know, picked up and thrown against the wall. But you have to look at it objection, you know, as a neutral third party and say objectively, that happened. That was not okay, but I'm okay. And that was my starting point, really, was getting that inner peace, that inner, making friends with my inner self. Because every one of us has a very powerful inner self if we will just make friends with it. Um, So don't think that um, if somebody tells you, you read a book or you watch a video on YouTube or you attend a workshop and someone is saying, this is, these are the steps that I took. Don't think you have, your, your journey looks like anybody else's because your journey looks like no one else's. So that's my two cents. You know, there are so many ways that you can reprogram. For me, it's, you know, you were learning, you were reconditioning yourself to love yourself mm-hmm. and to see your own worth. And, and 
there's so many ways that you can reprogram. Uh, some people, um, you know, for me, sometimes I get frustrated or overwhelmed with how many different options there are. Because I'm a writer, because I love to write and I love to read, the idea uh, of rewriting my story is some, you know, follows along the lines of positive affirmations or, um, you know, positive self-talk and learning to love myself again. It's just looking at things, you know, you always hear, like, take the positive out of everything. It's, it's putting a different spin on the same exact situation that happened. It's not saying that that situation didn't happen. It's not completely eliminating something from you know, your experiences, but it, it's, instead of having it be the hole in your lifeboat, it becomes the paddle and it helps you, uh, you can draw back on those experiences and it takes the charge away. It takes the, the, how it can bring you down or make you stuck um, off of what you're going through. So, and there's many ways to rewrite your story, but I think the biggest thing that we need to talk about is it, you don't do it one time and it's done. It, it took right. years for you to program yourself to be treated a certain way or to view yourself a certain way. Uh, because, you know, we hear all the time, we, tra- we train people how they treat us. But I think we can also exactly. train ourselves. I think we can train ourselves on how we're supposed to be treated. I was in several toxic relationships. It stemmed from when I was in elementary school. It wasn't my family. It was outside people that had that that I spent a lot of time with in a classroom and because of the way that I allowed them to treat me in turn I was training myself on how I felt or thought or believed that I should be treated so erasing that or reprogramming that or however you want to word it it all really is the same thing Um, to change that it doesn't happen one time. It doesn't happen overnight. And right. Yeah. So, you know, when I talk to people about rewriting the story, take a scenario. We all have all these short stories in the big story of our life. Take that scenario and physically on paper, write the old one, rewrite the new one and read it to yourself. It's, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, however, you know, it doesn't have to be pages and pages and pages because you're only taking a snippet one at a time. And read it to yourself several times a day. Memorize it because that is actually changing it on that neurological level. When you have memorized the new story, it takes the power away from the old story. Right. And one of the things, and we were talking before the show, oddly enough, I received an email um, just this morning, right before the show, about um, ways to love yourself. And the first thing that they're pointing out is stop criticizing yourself. And how many of us get out of a bad situation and then spend the next however long uh, saying, well, that was stupid. I was really dumb for doing that. Why did, you know, stop that. If you just stop that, that will start a different direction in your life. Um, the, the other, one of the other things that I have not really thought about is stop scaring ourselves. Because how many of us um, terrorize ourselves 
reliving those situations over and over and over and over and over in our heads. And I know um, I was put in the hospital with a broken jaw one time. I relived that event hundreds of times. And each time I relived that event in my mind, I was deeper down the hole. You know, it, it doesn't help anything. If you look at it and you say, yes, that happened, I accept that that happened, um, and then let it go. Don't keep reliving it. You know, there's, there is a technique that they use in, in therapy, which I am I'm not a therapist, but it has been helpful to some people where if you are in a certain situation and you go back in your mind to that situation and you replay the situation with a different ending, that can be helpful. But that's not what we're talking about here. What they're talking about in the email that I got is um, replaying the same situation exactly over and over and over. And I know I was guilty of that one. Um, it, It wasn't until I stopped doing that that I was able to start moving forward. You know, we need to be patient with ourselves. As Lisa said, it's not one time and done. Self-development, any kind of personal growth is a process. You know, I heard it explained the other way uh, or the other day, a way that really made a lot of sense. It said it's called personal growth. You didn't grow from six months old to six years old overnight. So why would you think personal growth should be instant? It's a process. Any kind of growth is a process. We need to learn to be patient and kind and gentle with ourselves because you are you. You are unique. Even if you are doing the same thing, you are doing it in a different way, a way that no one else on the planet right now is doing it. So be patient with yourself because your journey is yours alone. And I think we get caught up in competition you know, human nature takes over. And it's like, well, wow, that person was in an abusive relationship for years and now they're, they're like, you know, really, really doing great and I should be doing that too. Well, that's not helpful to you. That's <laughs> not helpful at all. You need to celebrate your little tiny victories. I know personally the first day that I was out of that abusive relationship and I was in a safe place. The first day I was able to leave that house, walk down the street and get coffee was a monumentous occasion for me because I had been so conditioned to think he was going to find me wherever I was and kill me. And he told me that repeatedly. And that little simple thing, I walked outside by myself down the street to get coffee. And it sounds so funny to me now, but at that moment, that was huge for me. That was me stepping out of my comfort zone and saying, no, you will not find me. You do not know where I am. I am powerful. I am worthy of being able to go buy my own coffee. So if it's something really simple and easy like that, which wasn't easy for me at the time, believe me, um, 
celebrate that. You know, when my roommate got home that evening and I told her what I had done, she jumped up and down and broke out a cake because that she knew that that was something that had been really difficult for me. So I'm not saying you need to break out a cake. And in, in, in hindsight, that was not the wisest yes, thing. You because, do. Yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> There's always a time to eat cake. You don't know. <laughs> but, but you have to celebrate those little things, even if it's something as simple. And we talk about mirror work all the time on the show. Even if it's something as simple as that first morning, you look at yourself in the mirror and you make eye contact with yourself. That is huge. That is you acknowledging you are you and you are worthy. And those are huge moments. You know, don't, don't say, oh, it was something little because those things are huge. You have to really, really build that up because especially if you've been criticized like most of your life. I, I was criticized from the time I was a little kid. I had no sense of self-confidence, really. You know, it was, it, I went from being criticized and thinking, oh, well, they love me, right? So being criticized must equal love, to being hit, thinking, oh, well, you know, criticizing meant that they loved me. So hitting me must mean that, that this guy loves me, too. If you've ever been there and you've been that low, those little teeny tiny things will really, really build up your inner spirit, your inner sense of self. It really puts you on the right step to acknowledging your inner power. It really can't be overemphasized. Uh, those little things, in many cases, are everything. That's a turning point. So um, what do you think? Have, have you encountered little things that really – looking back were big things? Yeah, absolutely. Most of it is just the way that I viewed myself, you know, and allowing myself to be in my body, if you will, and not having my mind way out there, but allowing myself to be here with me connected. And because we talked once before about how, like, our body and our mind didn't quite line up with how we saw ourselves weight-wise. Or right, right. <laughs> so, you know, like pulling right. myself back, I, that was just an example, but pulling myself back and allowing myself to see who I am. And even though there are flaws and we all have them, and it's important to recognize them, but it's important to not dwell on them. Um, to, to really just be able to see myself was a huge thing. For me, because, you know, I remember being in this relationship, and I actually kind of wanted to, to ask you your thoughts on this. I, I remember being in this one relationship. I was going to college. I was raising my daughter as a single mom, um, but I was dating this guy, and we were living together. And I say I was raising her as a single mom because there was no share of finances or anything along those lines. It was um, right. That was totally separated. And, you know, one time he, he was – laying on the couch and I was getting ready to go to uh, like some sort of um, group study session or whatever. And the man called me stupid. <laughs> and now granted, yeah. <laughs> he called me stupid in probably something that had no idea, no, nothing to do with academics. 
it could have just right. been like street smarts. I wasn't, I'm not very street smart, you know, or whatever. Um, but my retaliation to him was, I'm in college getting a chemistry degree. What are you doing? So even though I was in this toxic relationship and I was doing things, like I was, that whole disconnection, like I was not connected to my reality when it came to that relationship. So really the biggest thing was to to pull myself back into, after that relationship ended, pull myself back into my present and view, see myself for who I really am, my strengths and my weaknesses. Right. And to, right. to realize that I didn't have to do that anymore. That was huge. Right. It, that was that, huge. That's, you know, and I know many people have said they had these, even when they were in a toxic relationship, they had these moments of clarity. And that's kind of what you just described. It was just a moment where you found the, your inner power enough to lash out. And that is a clear indication, at least in my mind, that uh, you had reached a turning point, that that was really, when you start setting those boundaries, and that's kind of what you did, you set a boundary where, you know, it's not okay for you to tell me I'm, I'm stupid or I'm dumb or I'm incompetent or whatever it is. It, that's not okay. And that's a really healthy boundary to set. Um, that's really one of the other steps in this email is setting, you know, those kinds of boundaries. People don't realize mm-hmm. that mental boundaries are boundaries. They are still boundaries. And they're very, very important to have. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, there may be some, some noise here, so I'm going to mute myself. If you would like to continue the conversation for a couple of minutes. I have a, I, we have an issue on the farm here this morning, and rather than having everybody think that I'm being slotted, um, I thought I would mute myself. So, <laughs> Okay, well, don't be muted too long. <laughs> no, I'll know, be right back. You know, okay, I'm just going to develop that, that thought process, uh, or not the thought process, the, the conversation about the toxic relationship that I was in, you know, that was a turning point for me. I still set boundaries, but I was still in that relationship for several years after that because he realized that he wasn't going to be able to tear down how I felt about myself when it came to academics. I, I pride myself on that's my skill set, being in a classroom and dominating my grades and, and a, a course that I'm taking is my skill set. The way that he broke me down was he really tapped into the idea of he's this beautiful creature. I won't get anyone better than him. Um, you know, and he even went on to say, you know, you're a single mom who doesn't make a whole lot of money. Why would anybody want you? That's really how he broke me down was, was by targeting my vulnerable spots. And I, I absolutely allowed that to be a vulnerable spot. And I ended up marrying the man, believe it or not. I felt that I was very, very lucky, very fortunate, whatever the case may be, to have this man actually interested in me. And whether people thought that he was good looking or whatever, that didn't 
matter to me. I knew what I felt and uh, about the situation, and it was just I allowed myself to marry him, and we were still we that was a five year relationship. The marriage wasn't five years, but it was a five year relationship, and the that's the abusive part that I took was no one else would want you. Why would you think that you could do any better than me? And it really, it started really small. And then by the end, I was just like, my goodness, how in the world did it, did that happen? You know, and, and even coming out of the relationship, I would look back and say, how in the world did, did, did he convince me of that? I'm beautiful. You know, I'm an amazing right. person. People would be lucky to be with me. Why in the, how did he do that to me? Because he it, elevated it, me and brought me right. down well, and elevated it, me, and it was a cyclical thing. Right, and and that's that's really what they do, you know. Many many times is it's a it's a vicious circle. It's um, really it's really not an easy cycle to break, but um, you know it is kind of a vicious cycle. And if if you don't pay attention to what's going on, you can get caught in it for a very long time, much like I did. (laughs) So, Well, you know, and I think, and I just want to throw this out there. I think it was like more along the lines of once a month in the beginning, I would hear the negative, like maybe a couple of times a month, no more than once a week. And then everything else would be sunshine and roses. And then all of a sudden, and then sunshine and roses, and then that yep. once, you know, a few times a month was then replaced with several times a month. Well, I guess a few and several, right. you know, more. It increased, and the sunshine and roses eventually was, became the amount of the, the degrading and bringing down in the beginning. So that, the, that flip-flop and the sunshine and roses was fewer and far between, so it's right. definitely and, a step process. So, like, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that every, every time you have a bad moment in a relationship that it's going to turn out to be horrible, but and I'm not saying it's not either. So I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> well, you know, there are signs, and we've talked about that before. But really, what I've come to know as truth, at least for myself, is that I did put myself in that situation. Now, I did not abuse myself. I didn't, right. you know, do that. But I did allow that situation to go on far more than it should have because I didn't have the self-esteem and the sense of self-love to break that cycle. And, you know, every abuser, well, I can't say every because no one is ever always or or Never, but um, right. most of the time, there will be that cycle. I know there was one particular day when my abuser showed up at my office with um, with flowers and candy, and people were going, "Oh, what a wonderful husband you have!" Because he was a really good actor, and most abusers are right. <laughs> they're really good actors. And the general public will look at them and say, oh, what a wonderful person. And, you know, when we would go home, he would beat the crap out of me and our daughter. So 
if you find yourself in that cycle, the first thing that I found to be true is I had to realize I was keeping myself there. My fear, my insecurities, my lack of self-love, in fact, at one point it was more of a self-loathing, that was keeping me there. And, you know, I was not being held hostage. Now, I have heard horrible, horrible stories from people who actually were held hostage. And if that's your situation, you're probably not listening to this show anyway. But um, that's entirely different. And that's yeah. really my, not what we're talking about. Right. My, my situations were entirely normal living, uh, you know, to right. include something that shouldn't have been. But, you know, I did what I wanted to do to an extent. Uh, you know, I was going to school. And I think the going to school was because he realized that I was going to make serious money and could mooch. Because that's really what right. he ended up doing when I joined the Army. Um, he, his excuse was, you know, being there for my child, our child, but he wasn't, um, he was just trying to find a ticket to a sugar mama. Right. And eventually I stopped being that, that person. Well, I wasn't really a sugar mama, but you know, I didn't, that, that was the whole right. basis. And I think that's why he allowed me to go to school. Or didn't right. try to stop me. Well, I, don't, right. I can't say he allowed me because, like, I would never have quit. But, or maybe I would have if he worked on me hard enough for a long enough time period. Right. But the 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 not trying to stop me was a benefit to him. So we had right. Sunday night dinner at my parents' house. You know, we had this normal living, or what looked like from the outside, when you're looking into my glass house, it looked like normal living. But it, there was right all of these dark undertones that, that nobody saw. Or maybe people did, but they were of the, the mindset and the wisdom that you, you can't make a person do something. You can talk to them until they're blue in the face, and sometimes if you talk to them too much, it's going to make them do the exact opposite. And you just need to be there to love them and support them and snatch them out of the house if you feel their life's in danger. Well, and that, that brings up an interesting point because the roommate that I eventually left my abuser for, um, well, not for, but, you know, to, to go and, and rent a room out of her house, two rooms actually, myself and my daughter, um, wonderful, wonderful person to this day. I love her because she was like, sure, you can come and crash in my house and I will move my two girls into one single room so that you and your daughter can have your own rooms. I, that was, she was just amazing. But it took her three years to get me to that point. She was a coworker when I met her and she, I came in one day and she had been in an abusive relationship and she recognized all the signs. She knew exactly what I was living and she made friends with me and she said, Hey, um, if you need to get out of that situation, you let me know. I will help you. And I went, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. But she kept on. And she was like, okay, you know what? If you just want to go get a cup of coffee someday, we'll just talk. You know, that's fine. And she did that for me. It took her three years. But by the time I was ready, 
and I called her and I said, Terry, I want out. She said, I am on my way. And she did. She wasn't even working with me anymore at that time. She left her job and she came and got me and that was it. So if you know someone that you think is in an abusive relationship, don't give up on them. You know, I honestly believe had she given up on me, I'd be dead. He would have eventually killed me. Don't give up on him. You know, even if it's just how are you feeling, you know, reach out, make people feel loved, make people feel important. Because if someone is really down, and I know this from volunteering uh, on a suicide hotline, sometimes people just need to know somebody else cares. Yes, and exactly. that does wonders. That that will move mountains and make miracles happen. Just care, and it doesn't mean you want to beat the person up yourself in a different way. You know, just be there. Um, I think really the worst thing you can do to someone who has no self-esteem is tell them that you're better than that situation because then they think you're a liar. Right. You know. The the best thing I found and what worked with me with her, what she did is she was just always there. She was just, you know, have a great day or how are things going or wow, I saw that picture of your daughter and she's so cute. You know, anything. It doesn't mean or you look beautiful today that she would tell me that on a regular basis, even if I knew I left the house looking like crap. And it was just that being there that over time I knew that this was someone who really did care. So don't give up on people. I think people give up on other people way too soon. Um, if if you know someone who's got some low self-esteem issues, uh, the best thing you can do is just be there for them and over time help them. You know, just this morning, it is an ongoing process. And just this morning uh, you and I were talking before the show and I have gone through a lot of stuff this year. <laughs> this has not been yeah. my When I look back on my life, this will not be my favorite year. <laughs> so so um, I have started. <laughs> I know. What, what is up with that? This has not been our year. But um, <clears throat> I noticed because I have been on a journey of personal growth and self-development for decades at this point. I noticed that I had started really going down a mindset I didn't want to go down. So I had a talk with myself and said, what's going to turn this around and how can this happen? And I was open to the possibilities and welcoming the answers. And I've now started a new project, which is already making me feel better and at a higher level, a higher vibration. And I know that that's going to make all the difference in the world for the rest of this very tumultuous year. So don't think that, you know, you, you get out of an abusive relationship and everything is sunshine and lollipops because it's not. You're still going to have trouble. You're still going to go through tests. You're still going to have things part. And, you know, my grandmother used to tell me that that thing that you count on more than anything else is going to fail you right when you need it most. Then what are you going to do? 
but you get very strong inside. You get very determined inside. And you, you come to the point where maybe in the past something happens and it would have thrown you into a tailspin and you would have been looking for the nearest bridge to jump off. All of a sudden you realize, hey, you know what? That wasn't so bad. And then the next thing happens and it's like, you know what? That wasn't bad at all. And then you get to a point where things happen and you're kind of like, that was okay. Let's, let's do something else now. When you get to that point, you know you're on your way because none of us are ever done. But at least it does get easier, and I can promise you it does get easier. <coughs> Sorry. My allergies are not getting easier. <laughs> no, definitely. It's, you know, it rained yesterday, so mold, yay, it's on its way. Yay, mold. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Central Texas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, so you know, the, the whole point. Oh. <laughs> no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I want, to, I want to see where you're going. I want to see where you're going with that because I'm thinking it's probably I where I was going to go. So go ahead. I think so. It's time to transition to the next part of the show. You know, we've talked a lot about, yep. like, that underlying um, experience and, and whatnot. Now it's time to, like, dig in and, and give some juicy nuggets on you hear all the time all these things that you should do, but really, you know, a lot of people get stuck because they don't know how to actively engage in the the tips or techniques that they're being taught to help alter their thinking. Right. Right. Was that where you were going? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that. <laughs> the the first thing that I think anyone needs to do when you are just starting out or it even if you have been on a, a self-development, self-growth, personal growth journey for quite a while, you need to realize that we're all works in progress. And just because you have one bad thought or one bad day or like Lisa and I, a whole iffy year, um, you know, you just kind of take it in stride because it's all part of your journey. You know, even being in a very dysfunctional family when I was a kid and having an incredibly abusive first marriage, that's part of my journey. It's not who I am, but it has made me who I am. It has shaped me into who I am. But that's not who I am. That's a little piece of who I am. Absolutely. And you have to accept who you are. You have to come to a point where you are not afraid to tell your story because your story is going to help someone else. I guarantee it. I hear that from people all the time. Learn to love your negatives. You know, when I was, and I'm still actually doing a, a, a physical journey as well as a personal growth journey um i at one time weighed like 300 and something pounds and i've lost over 100 pounds and one of my first weight loss coaches i know right Um, thank you but one of my first weight loss weight loss coaches told me she says what i want you to do and what trips up most women when they're trying to lose weight is you get that picture in your head of that model you saw on the Victoria's Secret runway show. 
and you are never going to look like that. So we're not focusing on that. What I want you to do is I want you to stand naked in front of your mirror. If you can do a full-length mirror, that's the best. And I want you to look at each love handle, each bump, each bulge, and I want you to tell it, I love you. Thank you for being part of my body. And I looked at her like she had grown a third head and turned green. But she says it worked, so I wanted to do this. So I was on a a plethora of medications and was told I was heading for hospice if if things didn't turn around. And I really didn't want to die. So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And do you know what? It works. Love your negatives. If you are a really, really horribly neat person, first off, I feel for your family, but love that about yourself. If you are a slob, love that about yourself. When you can learn to love your negatives and even laugh at them, you're on your way. That was a huge thing for me, was to look at my over 300. I I really, I stopped weighing myself. Even my doctor stopped weighing me when I reached a certain weight. I looked at that body and said, you know what? I love you. Thank you for being part of my body. And when you can do that, anything else you can, you can handle. Have to learn to love your negatives, whatever that is for you. Mirror work is huge. We talk about mirror work all the time here. Um, look at yourself in the eye. Tell yourself, I love you. One of the things that's in this email that I got today says, ask a question. How can I make you happy today? What can I do for you today? And if you ask yourself that, and then you are open to the answers that you receive, because you'll get them. You just have to train yourself to hear. Do that. You know, maybe it's listening to music. Maybe it's driving a different route on the way to work. Maybe it's going for a a walk at lunch. Maybe it's secretly sending your resume to other employers. Maybe it's writing. Maybe it's singing. Whatever it is for you, listen to those answers. You have to really learn who you are. Get to know yourself. I said at the beginning of the show, you really have to become a friend with yourself. You have to really embrace everything about yourself. You know, when you you have friends, and we all have those friends that can sometimes get annoying, and people sometimes do things that we wish they wouldn't do, and you don't say, well, I'm not going to be friends with that person because they have that one annoying thing they do when we're out in public. You love your friends in spite of that. You know, we I, I have several friends that – um, if if I go to lunch with them, I know I'm picking up the tab. And uh, we've talked about it. We've laughed about it. I've said, you know, you're going to have to buy me lunch once in a while. Or I'm not going to lunch with you anymore. And it always ends up still that I end up picking up the tab. And I know that. And honestly, I'm fine with that because these are people I really love and care about. And I know they truly can't afford it. So it's okay. But I still make it known that at some point it's not going to be okay. Doesn't mean I don't still love these people. That's part of boundaries. 
but when it's yourself, you need to love everything about yourself. Um, truly, everything about yourself. You know, I I had a, a a little girl with beautiful red hair, and she hated that red hair. Boy, did she hate that red hair. When she was a teenager, she dyed it every color under the sun that she could find to dye it. And you know what happened? After two or three shampoos, she had red hair again. And finally, we started, uh, my grandmother and I started finding things that were unique about redheads. And we started saying, oh, this is lovely. This is wonderful. This is terrific. So few people have red hair and blue eyes. And you have red hair and blue, you know, so it, um, you have to love that. And now, today, she loves it. And I have a red-haired grandson, which is very cool, too. So it's, um, it's all how you look at it. But you have to find things that you love about yourself, even if they're, you, you're, you don't think they're perfect. Because you know what? You're never going to be perfect. Celebrate your journey. You know, love yourself right now as you are this second. Don't wait until a week from Thursday or until the next full moon or whatever it is that you want to do. Don't wait until you're a size two. Don't wait until you get that job or you get that raise. Love yourself right now. Because if you can love and approve of yourself right now as you are, then every little thing becomes joyful. Every little thing becomes that much better because you already love yourself when you the more you put love out into the universe the more wonderfulness comes into your life what do you think baby steps mm-hmm. pick something that resonates with you and, and work on that to change the self-love view that you have um, yeah love yourself Work on it, baby steps, because <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight. And there's a lot of stuff you can do, but not everything works for everybody. <clears throat> right. Exactly. Find what works for you. Absolutely. And if you can find one thing that works for you, do that and stay open to it. I tell people all the time, you have to have a plan, mostly in business, but it works in personal life too. You have to have a plan for where you want to go. But you have to also stay open to the scenic route because sometimes you find those wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things on the scenic route that you never would have found had you stayed completely laser focused on your plan. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. Right. I was just going to say visual. A lot of people are visual. You know, don't just yes. mull it over in your head and think about it because you're having a battle of the brain. And put it on paper, put it on something, even if it's symbols, it doesn't have to be words, just put it somewhere that you can see it. And most of us need the visual aspect as well when it comes to, to learning. And that's what you're doing is you're learning. Again, you're reprogramming. So you're <laughs> learning a different mindset or thought process than you've had before. And so how do you learn? If you went to school, how do you learn? If you were taking an online course or something, or your boss is doing some sort of, you know, professional development or whatever, how do you learn best? That's exactly how you need to retrain yourself to learn to love yourself. Don't try something. You can try. I, I hate to say that, but, you know, if you know that you're a visual, tactile, and auditory learner, then 
you might need to hold a piece of paper while you're reading it and hearing yourself say it. So really, you know, that, that also comes with knowing yourself. How do you learn? And, and use that to incorporate retraining yourself on how to learn to love yourself. That, that's, yeah, absolutely. I have nothing to add to that. that that's, that's great. I don't either. I think that was the best piece of advice I've ever given. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I'm finished. So I don't know that I have anything else to add here. Well, thank you for that bit of wonderfulness. Um, Truly, that that was amazing. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to wrap the show now. I I have, you know, earlier I muted myself. And um, just to let you know what's going on here, I have a bobcat who is um, around here who is harassing my dogs, my cats, my chickens, even the horse actually this morning. And um, I see him slinking back between the barn and the shop building. So we're going to wrap the show and mm-hmm. I am going to go and um, chase away a bobcat. <laughs> a bobcat. Well, you have fun with that. That's interesting. What a great way to end the show. <laughs> you have a I know, right? <laughs> I do live in the middle of nowhere, people. I tell people all the time I live in the middle of nowhere. People don't believe me. And then they get out here and they go, wow, there is nothing here. And it's like, I told you. I, I, did, I did tell you. So <laughs> you guys have a beautiful, beautiful day. And uh, we will catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.